to the uh, turn it to the book of Genesis, chapter number two. The book of Genesis, chapter number two. I'm gonna read some scripture here. Try by the help of God, if you'll pray for me tonight, to give you what's on my heart. And I don't, I don't know. I just put this disclaimer out there. I don't know what gear I'll be in tonight, if it'll be in a, a preaching gear or an instructional gear, and uh, I'm a little fearful uh, to preach or uh, to deal with this subject in a way because of my age, uh, but I done tried to take care of that with the Lord. Paul told Timothy not to let any man despise his youth, and uh, I know uh, that I was in a meeting a couple weeks ago in Alabama, and uh, on a Tuesday night I preached, and uh, I let my youth hinder me. And they asked all the preachers to stand up, and I'm just—I feel like I need to say this. And they asked all the preachers to stand up before I got up to preach, and there's about 50 of them in the house. And I was probably—if I wasn't the youngest, I was one of the youngest. And while I was preaching, the Lord told me to preach to preachers. And I hit it just a lick and then tried to move on as fast as I could. And after afterwards, I realized that's where the Lord really wanted to, to work. And I let my youth hinder me. And so tonight, I'm not preaching or dealing with this because I know everything there is to know about it. But I am going to deal with it because it's the direction the Lord's given my heart. I'm going to trust the Lord to help me. And uh, for you to pray for me tonight that He will help us. And I trust that He will. Genesis chapter 2, let's stand together. If you're able and willing to do so out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18. Very familiar scripture that I'll read into your hearing tonight. And probably won't say anything or deal with anything you've not heard before. But I believe it's needful this day that we're living in. Genesis chapter 2. Verse number 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Now the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. Whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight on the home. 
It's what the Lord's been dealing my heart since the first of the week to preach about tonight, the home. I believe if I study correctly that the scripture that I read in your hearing is the institution of the home by God. That he looked down, the Bible said, and said it was not good. That word good means profitable. Was not profitable that the man should be alone. And so he made a help meet for him. Someone to aid him. Someone to assist him. To walk with him along the journey of life. And the Bible said he brought her unto him and gave her to Adam. And the Bible said that Adam called her a woman because she was taken out of man. And in verse 24, I think is the the institution or the thrust of the home. He said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Now I understand that the institution of marriage is being covered here as well. But marriage is the starting point of the home. I think in these days there's a gross misunderstanding about the institution of the home. You say, why is it so important for us to know about the home? Well, God, scripturally now, God instituted the home before He ever instituted the church. And the church as we know it, the local church, is only as strong as the homes that make it up. And there's a great war. I do understand that there is a war against the church. I understand that. But the reality is that the war is really against the home. And there's a great onslaught of Satan and his emissaries and the pits of hell against the home in our day. The world is not for the home as we know it. But society is not for the home as we know it. But I'm glad to report to you tonight that God is for the home. God made the home. God instituted the home. It's one of the greatest institutions that God ever made was the home. And so I want to talk to you tonight if God would be my helper for just a little while about the home. Now I want to say first of all they're just a few things that God put on my heart and I tried my best to pray and, and seek the will of God and the counsel of God, the direction of God for this service tonight. And I'm going to do my best just to give myself to God and, and tell you what He tells me to say. I, I want to talk to you first of all about the importance of the home. God puts a lot of importance on the home. And it's so important you better guard your home. It is a daily battle to guard the home. It's not something you can. It's not that you stood before the preacher that day, made your vows one to another as husband and wife, 
settle everything and never would ever have a battle against your home. That's not how it works. But there's a daily opposition against your home. And you better guard your home. It's an important thing. It's not something to be thrown away. It's not something to esteem little or of light value. God puts a lot of importance on the home. We live in a day to day where not much importance is put on the home. Now I'm just going to preach how God gave it to me and I hope that it will help you tonight. We live in a society today that doesn't put very much importance on marriage. And therefore, there's not much importance on the home. But the reality is, when you stood that day and made your vows, you made them to God. It's not so much that, and I do understand that an element of them was made to each other, but the reality is, you made your vow to God. That's right. It is right. And God puts a lot of value on marriage. And God puts a lot of value on the home. Now you don't have to get quiet on me. You can hang with me and I'm not being mean. It's right. There's a lot of value placed on the home. And so you better guard it. Because if you don't want your home, I'll assure you the devil does. If you don't want your wife, the devil will take her. If you don't want your husband, the devil would be glad to take it away. If you don't love your children, I don't understand. Hear me tonight. If you don't value your home, the devil wants it. And you better guard your home. And we can't, you know, we think about guarding our home. We think about stockpiling the guns in the safe and the ammunition. You can do all that if you want to. I'm not against that. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't fight the battle I'm talking about with rifles and pistols. we got to have some power with God. That is right. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God under the pulling down of strongholds. And there are demonic strongholds in our day that are against the home and against the family. And the only way to guard the home is to have some power with God. It is right. And so you better guard it. And you better make sure. Now I'm just giving it to you exactly how the Lord gave it to me today. You better make sure, husband, better make sure, wife, better make sure, mama and daddy, that not only you guard your home, but that your home goes along with the church. You better make sure your home lines up with the book. Don't take my word for it. Take what God said about it. That's the importance of the home is to make sure we run our home according to God's man. God's demands. God's words. God's rules. God's way. It'll work every time if you do it God's way. We live in a day where the home comes to the church house. And the home is run one way inside the walls of the church. And it's run a different way when they get outside. And that'll never work. We live in a day where mom and daddy have certain standards and convictions when they're inside the church. But they don't have them when they're outside. And that'll never work. 
That's not a home run according to scriptures. Now I'm not going to get off on particular standards tonight. Hey, but you know what's right and you know what's wrong. And I'm telling you if it's good enough for the church house it ought to be good enough for your house. If it's good enough for Sunday it ought to be good enough for Monday. That is right. If you won't let your children do it in front of the preacher you ought not to let your children do it at all. That's right. If you won't turn the television on out of that program when the preacher's there or the church members are there or the visitor's there, you ought not to turn it on at all. If you won't let somebody, a physical somebody, walk in your house and use words that you don't like, you ought not to let your television use them in front of your children. That's right. I know it's right. It's created a double standard and it's confusing our children and causing them to accept things that ought not ever be accepted. You say, you're preaching like we ought to unplug that thing and throw it out in the yard. Well, if God tells you to, I guess you ought to. But I'm not preaching that. I've got one in my house too. And we'd be a whole lot better off without them. I believe that's right. But they make a remote control where you can turn it off and you can censor what comes in. You say, well, I can't even censor it. Well, just turn it off. That's right. You say, preacher, you don't preach this way much. I know, but God's telling me to, so I'm just trying to obey God. If you don't think that the devil's out against your home... We live in a day today where it's portrayed, and I'm just, I'm preaching. I know we got kids here, and I'm not going to get off color. But we, we're, we live in a day where commercials portray and talk about things that ought not to even be talked about behind closed doors. That's right. That's right. And they're portraying everything. And making everything acceptable. And that's their desire is to make you immune to it, to make you tolerant of it. And if you become tolerant of it, you won't even notice it anymore. And it'll come in your house and it'll take down your home. You better guard your home and you better make sure your home goes along with the church. You ought never have your children have a reason to ask you why you do the things you do or allow the things you allow if the preacher preaches against them at the church house. Your children ought never ought to have the room to say, Mama, why do we do this if the preacher said not to do it? Mama, why do we do this if the Bible says not to do it? We better raise our children and guard our homes and make sure they go along with the church. It's important. It is important. Then I want to say, God told me to talk about the investment that you must make in your home. There are some people that ought to be invested in your home. And I'm going to tell you who it is. It's you. You ought to be invested in your home. The Bible said, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. If you're not invested in your home, why do we expect anybody else to be invested in the home? 
And I understand as the pastor, I'm invested or I ought to be invested in your home. The church is invested in your home. But you can't expect us to be unless you are. You must be invested. Your home ought to be more precious to you than anybody else. And you ought to invest yourself in your home. Nothing should be any more important than your home. Now I understand God and you understand all that. I'm talking about your friends ought not be more important than your home. Your hobbies ought not be more important than your home. The ball games ought not be more important than your home. Your automobiles should not be more important than your home. And the list goes on and on and on and on. And the reason we have so many homes falling apart is because mommies and daddies are not invested in their home. Oh, we can invest in anything else and everything else. But God help us tonight to be invested in our home. People, there's some people. And it's you. You ought to be invested in your home. There ought to be some practices. This is how the Lord gave it to me today. There are some practices that ought to be invested in your home. You ought to pray in your home. You ought to pray in your home. You say, preacher, this is the Wednesday night crowd. Well, this is when God said to preach it, so I'm just preaching tonight. And you all have been around me, and I know there's some visiting, but they've been around me long enough to know I don't preach out of a mean spirit. If I feel a mean spirit rising up, I'll close the Bible and be the first one to go out the door. I'm not preaching mean-spirited tonight. But if the only time you pray is when we gather up around this altar, shame on you. That is right. You ought to invest some prayer in your home. You ought to invest some time in the Word of God in your home. If the only time you open your Bible is when we turn in the church house, shame on you. That's right. This is a daily walk. Christianity is not a religion. It's a way of life. It's not a Sunday morning thing. Or even a Sunday night and Wednesday night thing. Or a revival thing. Or a camp meeting thing. Or a jubilee thing. Or whatever the meetings they have are called. It's a daily life thing. You ought to want God as much as you're in your home as you do in the church house. And I'm going to tell you the reason a lot of times we come to the church house and there's no power with God in the church houses because there's no power with God in the home. What goes on in here is a direct reflection of what's went on out there. Oh yeah. That is right. And the reason Grandma and Grandpa could shout and the glory would roll is because they had it at home like they had it here. But when Grandma shouted her bobby pins out on Sunday morning, that wasn't the first time she had shouted that week. It didn't matter to her if it was in the floor of the church or over the dishwater. If God got real, she was going to obey God. When Grandpa could pray and God would come down, it's because that wasn't the only time he had prayed that week. He had got a hold of God just as hard, just as strong in the barn as he did at the church house. And if there's no private praying, there'll never be any public praying. What, what we do around this altar that should not be the only time we don't set this ought to be a culmination of what's already been going on in our heart with God. We ought not, and I understand. I understand we have bad days. 
And we do need one another. We do need exhortation. We do need encouragement. But we ought not to come every time under the house of God just to get pumped up. We ought to come already primed and ready to go. Yes, sir. Because we've invested in our home. And I'm not talking about just getting in a rut. We all get in one. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm just preaching me to you tonight by the help of God. I don't know if this will ever go out on airwaves. If God tells me to, we'll put it on the radio. And if not, that's fine with me. I'm not preaching for a crowd anyway. I'm preaching to help you. That's what my heart's desire is. You say, preacher, I'm getting in a rut about praying. From my personal experience, the best thing you can do is change your place. If it means enough to you to want to talk to God, break the rut. Find somewhere else how to pray. If it's just for a day, if it's for a week, if it's for a month, if you never go back to the old place again, do whatever it takes to break the rut. Ruts are hard. They're hard to break. We could use all kinds of worldly illustrations. I don't mean bad illustrations, but everyday life illustrations. I thought about, you know, up on the mountain above our house, there's a couple of deer stands. And me and Brother Dale, we like to hunt. He's my brother-in-law, and I love him, and I love to spend time with him. But we've been up there a time or two and come off there, and you do everything, I mean fight with everything in you to keep the four-wheeler out of the rut, and it's going to go in it every time. And you ain't getting it out either. You just got to ride it out. And that's the way it is in our life sometimes. It's the hardest thing to break the rut. And just when you think you've got it, it'll suck you right back in again. But don't give up. Don't quit fighting. Do whatever it takes to have prayer and power in your home. While I'm there, if it takes pushing the meal away at supper time to have some power in your home, I'd do it. If that's what God said to do. If it took laying awake at night, you say, I gotta work tomorrow. It don't matter fully on night, but we gotta have some power with God. That's right. That's right. Brother Hannah Mimi preached the whole message on fully on Pharaoh. And that's what we need in this day. We're letting Pharaoh run our life fully on him, but we need the power of God. That's right. There ought to be some investment. In our home. There ought to be some importance about our home. I know this is right. I know it is. The Lord's been stirring in my heart about the home. And if we're going to have some investment, if we're going to make this investment, if it's going to be important to us, we've got to look at what the instructions are. I want to preach right here just a minute and then I'll be done. God has order for your home. I want you to hear me real close right here. I understand. Now I'm not discrediting the Scriptures or saying anything contrary to the Scriptures. I understand that the husband, the Scriptures say that he's the head. But I want to preach tonight the way God put it on my heart. God ought to be the head of your home. He ought to be top notch in your house. And then the husband... God's the head. He's the whatever God says, whatever God's Word says, that's what goes. That's right. That is right, ain't it? I mean, I'm not getting too far out there, am I? God, what He says, ought to go in the house. 
And then the husband is to lead. Now this is how the Lord put on my heart today. The husband, according to that book, is to lead. Now men, I'm going to preach to you just a minute. That don't mean we're to thump our chest, thumb our galaxies, and be arrogant and boastful, and act like we're a dictator over our life. That, you'll not find that anywhere in this book. But we're to lead in love. It said for the wild, we want to quote it because it makes us feel good. For the wives to submit themselves to be in subjection of their husbands. But we don't want to quote the part where it says for the husband to love his wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And if a husband will lead by love, there'll be no problem for the wife to submit to her husband. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the truth. (coughs) The problem we have in our generation is not women problems. It's men problems. And the reason women have such a hard time, and I'm not preaching at you women tonight, I'm preaching the truth. The reason women have such a hard time with that submission stuff is because we've got a bunch of men that don't love their wives. And they don't lead by love. They lead in arrogance and boastfulness. And that's never the way God set it up. That ain't right. It ain't right. You ought to love your wife. And if you don't, you ought to ask God to help you love your wife like you ought to. And I'm not perfect. I know I'm not. Now I'm not the husband I ought to be, nor the daddy I ought to be, but I'll tell you something I can say from inside me, from my very depth, I love my wife, and I thank God for her, and she's a wonderful help me, and she don't have any trouble, I don't have any trouble loving her. No trouble at all. We're one flesh, that's what this book says. It said no man ever hated his own flesh. If you'll take care of your wife like you take care of you, there won't be no trouble. That's right. I'm still in the book. I know it's kind of rough and not popular preaching. But God has order. And the husband's supposed to lead. And he leads by love. And he leads by looking out for the family. He's to look after his wife and to look after his children and provide for them. That's according to the Scriptures. And he's never supposed to lay the burden on the wife. That's just what the Lord told me to say tonight. Her shoulders were not meant to carry the weight you carry, man. That's right. And so the husband, the order is he's to lead. And you're the spiritual That's not just to lead in business and financial decisions and mortgage payments and car payments and bank accounts. You're to lead in the spiritual things. You're to lead your family to worship. And you have no right to expect any more out of your wife or your children than you have yourself. That's right. right. And so the husband's supposed to lead. Then the order of God is that the wife is supposed to look to the husband. Now I done got all that out of the way. There won't be any problem. The word submit is twice in the word of God. Ephesians and Colossians I believe. Wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 
The word submit there, we've made it a dirty word, but God didn't make it a dirty word in His book. The word submit means voluntarily aiding one another. That's what it means that the wife is willing voluntarily to step beside the husband and to go arm in arm together in the service of the Lord. That she's willing to follow Him as He follows Christ. Voluntarily. Voluntarily. And if the husband loves right, the wife will look to her husband right. I believe that's right. And then the children... We got a lot of little ones around here, and they, they don't, they, I mean, they take in more than you think, but they're not understanding some of this. But I got some here tonight, mine and some others that are old enough. According to this Bible right here, the order of the homes for the husband to lead, the wife to look to the husband, and the children to listen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And that's the order of God. There's an order. That's the instructions. There is an order for how this thing's set up. But then this same book that tells us some instructions that gives us some... And it's not just one, two, three, how to, but there's some instructions, some admonitions, some advice, some things to look out for. And this same book that tells us about order tells us also about some obstacles that are in the way of the home. Popularity is an obstacle to the home. When mama and daddy want to be popular with all that crowd that maybe they used to run around with, they never did, but now they want to, that's an obstacle to the home. When mom and dad care more about what their co-workers think than their spouse thinks, and more importantly than that, what God thinks, that's an obstacle to the home. Possessions can be an obstacle to the home. Not saying there's anything wrong with having stuff, but this is what I want you to hear. It's not wrong for you to have stuff. The problem is when the stuff has you. And I know a lot of homes that the stuff has mom and daddy more than mom and daddy have the stuff. And they can be an obstacle, so you better beware. I believe, I'm just preaching tonight, I believe you ought to pray about everything you purchase. And I find it hard sometimes, my own, I'm just confessing, my own personal self, I find it very hard sometimes to pray about materialistic things. And so I just ask God if He wants me to have it, for him to let it, I'm not going to overly exert myself to make it work. If he wants it to work, he'll let it work out. And if he don't, that's okay. And that's the mindset we ought to all have about stuff. Because stuff don't matter. In the grand scheme of things, stuff does not matter. The more possessions you have, the more chance of it being an obstacle in your home. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. I'm being real careful here. Real careful. Because I know it's, you know, it's rough territory. But the Lord told me today to preach tonight that parents can be an obstacle to the home. I'm talking about his parents and her parents can be an obstacle to the home. 
when the reality is the Scriptures say that the man and the woman are to leave their father and mother and cleave together and they are one flesh. I've heard people make this statement. And I'm not being mean. They say, well, when you marry her, you marry all of them. No, you don't. You marry her. I understand you become a part of their family. I do understand that. But the marriage, the home is instituted between the husband and the wife. And I know I don't have, my daughters are not old enough. And I got four of them. And I'm already praying. And I'm not being comical. I'm already praying for God to send them the right one. And I don't know what it'll be like. I don't know. But I'm praying God gives me grace. And I understand that there's nothing wrong with advising them. When you see they're going to make a terrible mistake. I'm not saying that. But we cannot as parents, we cannot lord and rule over the homes of our children. We can't do it. We ought to help them, pray for them, offer all the support we can give. Let them take all the support they want to take. But if they say they don't need us in a decision, in something, and here's the hard part. Sometimes you've got to let them fall for them to learn. It's what we do with kids. We don't like it. I, don't, I didn't like it when mine had bruises on their head and bruises on their knee. I mean, I remember one time, I don't remember which one of them it was, I come home from work one day and they're so excited to see me, they come running out, hit the loose gravel and piled it up. Might have been Chloe, I don't know, had a black eye, big old scrape down her face. But the reality is, they got to learn. And in order to learn, they must fall. And sometimes it hurts. But they got to learn to get back up again. We've raised a generation of, of children and it's my generation and the generation after me. We raise a generation of children that thinks that, that they're going to never be any trouble ever. And then they're blindsided by it. And then their marriage busts apart because they were raised to think there's never any trouble. There's trouble out there. There's battles to be fought. There's opposition. There are obstacles to overcome. We're raising a generation that thinks they ought to have on day two, after, after they get back from the honeymoon, they think they ought to have the house the size of mom and daddy's and a car like my dog. think they ought to have everything in two weeks that it took mom and daddy 40 years to work for. Yeah. We're raising a generation. I'm not being mean. I'm just preaching. We're raising a generation with unrealistic expectations about the home. Yes, sir, and the reality is it's because we've raised a generation that we put more importance on stuff and things than we have on a relationship with God. See, the reality is, I may go home tonight, and I hope not, but I may go home tonight, and that great house on 62 Elkins Lane may be burnt to the ground. And if all my home and all my marriage and a house is not a home, there's more to a home than just the house you live in and the car you drive and the clothes you wear. The home may be burnt to dust. And if my home is built on the house, then I'm in trouble. But if my home's built on God, it will last. Jesus said it's kind of like that man that dug deep and found a rock and built his house on that. 
and the winds came and the rain fell and the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and it stood because it was founded on a rock. If you want your home to last, if you want your home to withstand the turmoils of this world, you better build it on Christ. Because there's not only obstacles and I'm done tonight. And I hope I'm not upsetting, but I've just tried to preach what's on my heart. There are not just obstacles against your home or in front of your home. There's opposition against your home. And I've already said it, Satan is against your home. Satan knew from the beginning if he could affect. Now this is what the Lord told me today. Pretty strongly and I feel like I need to say it. Satan knew if he could affect the relationship between the people and God then he would affect their relationship with each other. And he knows if he can affect your relationship with God, if he can get you to let up on your praying, to not put so much emphasis on going to church, to not be so dogmatic about reading the Bible, spending time alone with God. If your relationship with God is affected, it will affect your relationship in your home. That's right. And I'm going to tell you something else. We all know Satan's against it. But can I tell you tonight, society is against your home. Look around. I mean, it don't take much common sense to figure out they're not for us. And Paul said they would be without natural affection. He told that to Timothy. And that goes way, way, way farther than just the Sodomite movement. That is not natural. I'll say that. But it goes on even farther to the, this women empowerment group and teaching women that it's not really right for them to get married. It's not right for them to have children. They need to make a success of their self. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, if you can keep it in its place, now I understand. But the greatest responsibility that God ever gave a woman was to keep home. That's right. It's the greatest responsibility. And I understand in this world we live in, it takes two incomes just about to survive. And I'm not preaching against you tonight. You know me better than that. But there's a society, a group out there that's telling our little girls that they ought not be wives and they ought not be mamas. But I'm telling you, it's as natural as the breath we breathe. God put it in a woman to want to be a mother. But we're living in a day without natural affection. We're living in a day that women and men that have children don't even love their children and that's unnatural. It's unnatural. That they'll take their children to the world. Now I'm trying to be real careful and I'm done. Take their children to some event of the world and drop them off and leave them. That's just not natural. I don't think it's natural. Go uh, Throw them to the, the dogs and the wolves and expect them to come back unharmed. And then want to come in on Sunday. And I'm not being mean. I'm just preaching what's right. They want to do that through the week and come in on Sunday and ask the preacher what's wrong. Why are my children... It's just not natural. The society is against the home. All the forces of hell are sailing against the home. 
I'll go back to what I said to begin with and I'm done. You better guard your home. You better ask the Lord to help you see more value. I'm not saying you don't value your home. I don't believe there's a soul in this building tonight that doesn't value your home. But we better ask God to let us see a little more value and be a little more on guard in these last days we're living in. It's so easy to get discouraged. We're in those perilous times. The word perilous means to drain the spirit from a man. It won't make you want to throw your hands up and give up, but you can't give up. There's too much at stake. You can't throw in the towel. You can't quit. You can't hop around. You can't run around. You can't go here, there, and yon. You've got to stay with what's right and put your nose to the grindstone that we need it now more than ever. We need power with God in the home now more than ever. We need power in our churches now more than ever. And I hope tonight that maybe it's encouraged you, maybe it's helped you. I've tried just to preach my heart. And I've not preached mean spirit. I've not. And I, I don't think you'll take it the wrong way. And I pray you haven't tonight. I'm telling you there's too much at stake in the home. I better ask God again for grace and strength. And I've said it a lot of times and I'll say it again tonight. Lord, help us to take a good long look at what we have around here. There may not be a whole lot of us, but the Lord's been awful good to us. And by ratio, we got a whole lot of little ones. A whole lot of little ones. And a whole lot of young families. And we better, you say, well, all mine are grown and gone. Well, we need to pray for them, and we ought to pray for all these too. And just because I got a family don't mean I'm supposed to hoard up in the corner over here. And I ought to pray for your family, and you ought to pray for my family. We're in a war. And we need one another. I'm going to tell some of you something tonight. My, my girls look up to a lot of you, and I'm glad to have you to look up to. And we ought to do our best to be an example to the homes that are here. And pray for the I mean we got we got some that are near in that age where I believe the Lord's gonna start dealing with them. And then we got some that are still, you know, sleepy and crying and blowing bubbles but I, I'm trusting that the Lord's going to take care of it all. What we have around here is precious. The Lord's entrusted us with some great and precious things. And I look around some days I'm just being honest. It's been pretty good here lately. and it, it, it may fall out. The bottom may fall out of it tomorrow. But there have been days, and I've testified to the fact here before, there have been days that I wanted to throw up my hands and quit. And the Lord's brought these little faces to my mind. And I thought, Lord, there's no room. And it's not that I don't love You, but we've got a great responsibility around here. And I pray the Lord to help us to guard the homes to guard our church, to guard our character, to guard our spirit, to not let our guard down, to not back up, to not give in. There's too much at stake. May the Lord help us tonight. Father, I thank You, Lord, for this time together. I know, Lord, it wasn't much on my part. I tried my best, Lord, to obey You and do what I felt You'd put on my heart for the service tonight.